Unite, everybody, and welcome to episode number 41 of Wedding Photographers Unite. My name is Andy Buscemi, in good company with Mr. Neil Urban. Neil, what's up? How you doing? Uh, you know, <laughs> you know. I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good at the end of the day. Excellent. Life yeah, is a beautiful good. thing. Life is a beautiful thing. Things can't go. And why do you say that? I don't know, just because it, it is. Sounds, it sounds like you have something to say. No, I just want to say that life is a beautiful thing and we're all beautiful people and we all just need love at the end of the day. And as long as we're adhering to that, you know, then uh-huh. life is beautiful and we should appreciate it for what it is. You know, so, everybody, the, the, here's the thing, the, the yin and the yang, right? If there wasn't, if there wasn't yang, if there wasn't yang, if, if we didn't know that there was terrible things happening, we wouldn't know how to appreciate the true beauty and the true love, right? We almost, because if everything was just amazing all the time, then we wouldn't really know that it was amazing. So, so the yang and the yin. I don't know. It's a little. It's a little it, thought for the day, I guess. It sounds like you had a bad bride. I'm thinking maybe yes, no, no, Are not we, a bad. Everybody treat you okay? A bad mother of the bride? No, maybe? it's okay. No. It's okay. Just <laughs> it's all good. You know what I mean? But uh, the, 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 yeah. as far as the wedding stuff, yeah, everything's going good with the business. The only thing that I can really say about the the business here's here's a little open conversation for everybody. Okay, mm-hmm. let's be open. Mm-hmm. Let's be open on our podcast. Let's be let's be truthful. Let's be let's be real. So you know, for next year. Um, for 2017 weddings, I was like, oh, you know, for the, like the last like month or so, I was like, uh oh, things numbers are a little low. What's happening here? What's going on? You know? Mm-hmm. And then out of nowhere, I literally have the, like these inquiries, like too many. Like I'm trying to, like I'm juggling trying to set up meetings. So it's like, so it was, so I was I was a little worried there for a little bit. Every year, every single year, every single yes, year. Yes, that's true. Yes, we point. have this conversation every year. Yeah, every year there's a <laughs> point it, where I'm like, what the it's hell? What's the going same on? Time of year too yeah, for you. I guess it is, and I should realize it at this point, you know. But but mm-hmm. I don't know. Still, it's like when you look at. So what, I think what we all should be doing as wedding photographers, right, is like at least keeping track of like, hey, last year at this time, how many did I have? Am I ahead am I, or am I behind? At least I think we need to be doing that. But when it's behind and it's behind for longer than it should be, and it's by more weddings than you think it should be for a while, then it, it's time to get nervous and to start, time to start at least doing something or making some kind of active move mm-hmm. to getting, you, getting yourself out there a little bit more. And I so, feel like... So now did you, did you go down the active route or did you just kind of... Keep keep doing your thing, and so, then uh, and then things started picking up. That's a great what, question because I know for a fact that like my social media sucked a few months ago. I was like I wasn't doing anything, I wasn't posting anything, and then I started noticing. I was like, oh shit, not looking good. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, and so I just started like posting and like upping upping different things, and and now I've uh-huh. like social media has been going well, and now I'm getting all these inquiries. But I don't. So it's hard to tell. Was it like was it that, or was it just what it was going to be anyway? I really don't mm-hmm. know. You know, so it's uh. But it is what it is. But it's just, I guess the main point that I just want to mention is that I think to some extent, all of us, no matter what level we're at, get get a little bit nervous at some point during the year. Like whether it might not be every year because sometimes some years we mm-hmm. might be up. But on those years where we're down a few weddings, where it's like, you know, listeners know for, I say this every, probably, probably every episode that I shoot 30 weddings a year. And I have consistently shot about 30 weddings a year. But when you're down a little bit and you're like, oh no, is that really, you know, um, you start to get a little nervous, but there's probably not totally reason to because there's an ebb and flow to it but so anyway now i'm feeling good because i've got all these inquiries and and all this stuff but it's it's just uh it's interesting you know how how it works out there and i would like to i feel like i feel like there's this this myth that when you reach a certain level you don't have to worry about it anymore and then all the weddings just keep coming but it's not necessarily true it can be Mm -hmm. but not necessarily true so i just want to put that out there for a little reality check for everybody, for everybody regarding if you're an amateur, if you've probably been shooting for years, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. So um, I just like to put put that, as the Colbert would say, that truthiness out there into the world. <laughs> so anyway, that was a lot of me talking more than I expected in the beginning. We have a special guest here, so we, so we probably have to keep it a little bit shorter too. Yeah, so sorry about that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, Neil, what's what's up with you? How are you doing? What's going on? I'm fantastic. Um, you know, I'm, uh, I had, uh, had uh, this past weekend off, um, and I kind of took advantage of it and relaxed and did, kind of did my own thing. Actually, I really didn't relax. 
Um, you know, remember from the uh, the whole limo situation that hit my car? <laughs> yes. Well, my car, my car finally went into the into the shop to get fixed, and when I went to Enterprise to pick up my rental car, they didn't have any cars left. Yeah, mm. no cars at a rental place. But what they did have was this monster pickup truck. Um, so, so what I did, I, I took advantage of it and got some, got some big heavy duty things from my studio that I've been wanting to tackle for a long time. I kind of want to build a set. So I went and got some lumber from, from Home Depot and, and I went and picked up some, some furniture that I've been wanting to pick up for quite some time now. So I just kind of took advantage of, of having this, having this pickup truck for, for my business. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to, um, pack up and go to Boston for a wedding this weekend and, I have to thank you, Andy, because right. you actually sent the clients my way. Because every uh, single time I get nice destination <laughs> weddings, I'm already booked. Every single time. Like the, like the, like the past couple of years, I've had like New York City weddings and Boston weddings, and, a, and every single time I'm booked. In that, But if I can't shoot them, I'm, I'm glad that my friends because, can. I'm glad that my friends yeah, can. You yeah. know, so. Yeah. <laughs> so. But no, they're, they're, they're good people, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that wedding this weekend. So, uh, so yeah, that's pretty much what's been up. Absolutely. And if you see, I think, I don't know if my buddy's going to be there, but Tom Allen, if, you, if his buddy Tom, Tom Allen, Allen, just say hi to Tom Allen for me if you see him. So. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. They're good people. So yep. looking forward to this weekend. Absolutely. It's always nice when, when, you're, when you're far away from home um, to know that you're pretty much going to be surrounded by good people and be well taken care of. Yep. And, uh, mm-hmm. and that, well, time-wise, I should stop myself. Okay. So... Uh, <laughs> So uh, please remember, listeners, we have an assortment of handpicked information that's relevant to you. But first, just in case you forgot, this is Wedding Photographers Unite, a bi-monthly wedding photography podcast for wedding photographers. By wedding photographers. The show goes live every other week. And while we're at it, <laughs> please do leave us a review on iTunes. Subscribe. Hey, we're iTunes. On t- yeah, we're on we're time on right t- now, but you never know yeah, what could happen. Yeah. But still, I don't, I don't want to <laughs> break, keep false ex- expectations. So, you know, every other week mm-hmm. there'll be a show, usually around Tuesday or, or Wednesday or Thursday. Um, and uh, please do leave us a review. Subscribe on iTunes. Somebody took me up on my offer. You know, they're just basically like, hey, you don't have to write a review. You can just go to iTunes and you can click the stars. Click the stars. I think a few of you did that. Thank you very much. That really helps us. That helps people get to know that, that we're out yeah, there. Yeah, it sure does. Thank you. And, thank you. Oh, thank you. S- sincerely do appreciate that. Um, and then also please remember that you can send in questions to info at weddingphotographersunite.com. Once again, mm-hmm. that's info at weddingphotographersunite.com. We'd, pre- we'd rather talk with you rather than at you. And we did get an email this week, and it's le- maybe a little bit less of a question, uh, but uh, it's actually an information piece for maybe some of our listeners that are using the service, service that you didn't know about. So, Neil, do you want to take, uh, I don't know, what is his name? Do we have his name? Uh, hold on, hold on. I got it right here. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It is Ed. Okay. Ed, Ed Krizyak, it looks like he's from the Pennsylvania area, and pretty much he has a, not, not really so much of a question, um, I guess he's a, he's a customer of Zenfolio, he has his uh, website going through Zenfolio, and he just kind of recently uh, came across that one of his clients had a question about, about an album option as to where they can order through Zenfolio, um, and he was completely unaware that Zenfolio offered that service of clients can actually just order albums without him even knowing about it um it sounds like this is possibly a new feature and um i don't know if you missed it or i don't even know if zenfolio sent out a uh um a little info <laughs> pack a little heads up <laughs> yeah yeah they or they just didn't announce it officially announce it yet but uh but he just kind of wanted to put it out there that saying that zenfolio is now giving the clients an option uh to order albums so for those of you who like to take control and um, and design your own albums, uh, you might want to. Uh, he said that you can disable that option for selling, so that's a very good heads up. Thank you very much, Ed, for that yeah. uh, that heads up. I'm sure uh, sure a lot of our listeners would appreciate. Yeah, and that. if you're using Zenfolio and then all of a sudden your al- your clients start designing their own albums and you don't know about it, that's a problem. So uh, mm. so thanks. Yeah, and and. <laughs> Yeah, and like I'd said, you know, uh, some of the images in the gallery are, aren't fully edited or sized for the album. So that's that's a, a very good tip right there. So, so thank be you. Be mindful, Zenfolio users, turn that off. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, what we're going to do is we have uh, two very special guests uh, coming on. And uh, the first is Mr. Tom Kennedy, who is uh, the executive director of the American Society of Media Photographers. Uh, and then also uh, following uh, that conversation, which uh, will allow to kind of happen as it does, uh, we also have another mm-hmm. uh, good friend from the area. His name is Mr. Luke Copping, and he's going to come on and tell us a little bit about uh, Project Prescription, which is a project he's been working on that can be helpful uh, to you guys as uh, listeners if it's something that you're interested in taking a look at. So, uh, Yeah, and well, well, yeah, one of the reasons why we we're having these guests on the show, even though it's geared more for commercial photographers, but there's a lot of wedding photographers like myself and Andy as well, who kind of dabble into the, uh, the commercial industry. You know, we, we do get, uh, we do get requests once in a while. It's, it's, you know, if, if our schedule and, um, time allows it, then, then we'd like to take on those projects. So they, they have a lot of information for us. Um, I think, I think they call it hybrid, hybrid photographers, mm-hmm. um, that I, that I like to, I like that that saying. Yeah, um, I bet you Tom Kennedy is going to have some interesting things to say on that because uh, just from some of the conversation and dialogue in terms of questions we're going to be asking him. So, um, so yeah, so uh, we'll be uh, right back first with Mr. Tom Kennedy of the American Society of Media Photographers. Okay, and we are back, everybody. We're back with Mr. Tom Kennedy, who is executive director of the American Society of Media Photographers. And before we uh, say hi to Tom, I'm just going to read you just a couple paragraphs of his biography. Um, And here we go. So Tom Kennedy is an internationally known visual journalist with extensive experience in print and online journalism, including positions as managing editor for multimedia at the Washington Post and director of photography for the National Geographic magazine. Uh, He has created, directed, and edited visual journalism projects that have earned Pulitzer Prizes as well as Emmy, Peabody, and Edward R. Murrow Awards. Currently, he is executive director as American for the American Society of Media Photographers, ASMP. And most recently, he has been a multimedia consultant advising individual photographers and organizations on the use of visual communication. Uh, this biography goes, uh, goes on, and I've, I encourage our listeners to, to take a look at KennedyMedia.net. Uh, Tom, it is such an honor to have you on our show today, and thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure, Andy. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Um, we just want to, you know, I'm sure you're no stranger. It sounds like you've been around the block quite a bit um, as, as far as your background goes. So I'm sure you're no stranger to, to being asked the question. If you could tell us a little bit about your background, how you got started, you know, with photography and how it led you down a path and in whatever, you know, whatever form version you'd like, you can take the short route, you can take the long route, however you prefer. But if you want to just tell, let us know a little bit about your background, we'd appreciate that. Sure, absolutely. I think it started really as a combination of family influences. My uncle and aunt were both artists when I was a young kid, and my mother was a high school journalism teacher. And I think the combination of those things kind of got me interested in um, both visual communication. I really admired my uncle and my aunt and, you know, sort of was intrigued by their lifestyle as artists. And, you know, with journalism being in my mother's background, I just felt like it was, you know, those kinds of things came together. I started actually working while I was in high school for the local hometown newspaper covering little league sports, writing and shooting the pictures. And that (laughs) gave me a feeling for, you know, Hey, journalism could be fun and, you know, this could be a career, you know, maybe someday. Mm -hmm. So I went to college, trained as a writer, but still remained very interested in visual communication and and, uh, photography. Got started as a newspaper photographer and realized uh, in my second job that I actually was working in a newsroom where we were being given a lot of opportunity. But it was clear that in order to realize it fully, we really had to stay uh, involved with the newsroom editing process and politics and somebody had to really Mm. speak up on behalf of the photographers Mm. and at that point i realized that that maybe my skills as an editor and someone who could deal with newsroom politics actually exceeded my abilities as a photographer so i kind of did a pivot at that point and we had an incredible amount of success um as a really small newspaper in the rural part of north florida we got outsized attention from the rest of the country for the visual work that we were doing. Hmm. And that success propelled me to the Philadelphia Inquirer where I was uh, a photo editor there. And those were the Pulitzer projects that you referenced earlier for my bio. Mm-hmm. I had the good fortune there to work when it was absolutely at its height as a, as a newspaper. And the editor entrusted me with the opportunity to 
supervised special projects that we were doing for the Sunday magazine. And that was a fantastic opportunity. And I got to work with some really immensely talented people. What was the time period that you were there? I was there from 1981 to 1985. Okay. And uh, and we had two projects while I was there. The photographers I work with both earned Pulitzers for their respective work. Larry Price for doing coverage of civil wars in Angola and El Salvador. And then the next year, Tom Graylish won it for coverage that he did on the homeless in hmm. Center City, Philadelphia. Hmm. And I work with both of them as the editor for their respective projects. And that in turn propelled me to the National Geographic. I had had, been, had had a correspondence and a friendship with Rich Clarkson, who had just moved from the Denver Post to the National Geographic and was taking over as their director of photography at the end of 1985. And he asked me to come down and be his deputy. So I thought that was a wonderful opportunity. And at that point, having done the two projects that I mentioned and the many others for the Philadelphia Inquirer, I felt like they're really maybe it was time to move on and take a look at that. So I did go there and within a couple of years, I became the director of photography there and worked there for a decade until 1997 when um, I was starting to watch the emergence of digital media. And I was pretty confident that digital media would really be something and be important to the industry. And I thought that there might be more of an opportunity to step out of the National Geographic than to remain within it in order to kind of be part of that emerging mm -hmm. medium. Mm -hmm. So I left and joined the Washington Post and started their multimedia operation. So just even to this uh, to this point in, in your background, you know, this is like so many people's dream, you know, to, to do what you've done, you know, to end up at just to even be shooting for the National Geographic, let alone director of photography. What is it that when you look back on your past and your history and what got you through all these different points, what it is, what is it about you that, that you think made you succeed and, and just reach that level when maybe so many other people were trying? Ooh, that's a, that's a really hard question yeah, to answer. Right. I mean, I, I, I think probably... I benefited obviously from working with immensely talented people at every stage. And I think that my effort was always to truly to understand what made other people tick and to really try to figure out how the system could be tweaked to make people really effective at what they did. Mm. And I guess it would be maybe uh, just really responding that way, listening to people, really getting to know them deeply and really getting to get inside their heads as far as creativity goes and what would, release it for maximum effect. And that was always sort of a focus of my activities, particularly National Geographic, where I was trying to continually match photographers with assignment requirements in a way that we were making a good match. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of it, I think, just really got down to understanding other people, understanding the possibilities in their work and seeing things about them that could uh, translate well to the assignments that were at hand. Hmm. Okay, very good. I don't know uh, how much, uh, if you want to keep going uh, with, with the rest of your background through the point that uh, you've recently taken over as executive director of the American Society, Media, excuse me, ASMP, American Society of Media <laughs> Photographers. Uh, what, uh, what led you down that path and how did you end up uh, getting involved with ASMP and, at, at, at this level? Right. Well, I had always been a member of ASMP since my early days in newspapers. I, you know, I had originally thought that I would try to move from newspapers as a photographer myself. And um, when I was at the Gainesville Sun, this small paper in North Florida that I referred to earlier, I was wanting to do some freelancing. And I realized that to really become good at that, I really needed to work with people who could mentor to me and, and give me a, a sense of what I needed to do myself to get better and to be stronger as a photographer. And I found mentors in the ASMP in the, in the region at the time, and they were very kind to me and they took me under mm -hmm. their wing. And that gave me a really good feeling about ASMP as an organization. Mm -hmm. And coincidentally, my uncle, who I mentioned earlier, was actually involved heavily with the ASMP in the early 70s into the 80s. And wound, he had a small publishing company that did photo and art books. And he was uh, partners with some people who were very close to ASMP at the time. 
and they asked him to actually produce their equivalent of the black book called the silver book mm. that you know repre- represented the best work of asmp photographers so the, i think again it was sort of family influences and my own experiences that led me to to get involved and stay involved with asmp at least peripherally as a member for you know for all this period of time and then um most recently, in just prior to taking the job, I had actually been asked um, to be on their search committee. And at that point, uh, at one point in the search process, they asked me if I would be interested in, you know, stepping back from the search process and actually applying for the job. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I've always had a passion for photographers and the, and the creative process and recognize how challenging these times are for photographers in terms of confronting many of the things that we face in the digital world and the digital landscape. And I'd seen a lot of the changes beginning to emerge and unfold in my period at the Washington Post. So I thought that, you know, maybe, you know, I could help the organization mm-hmm. and be part of it in a different way. So I just threw my hat in the ring. So, yeah, <laughs> that's going to, I think, getting a little bit further into that now is probably appropriate to do. Um, I'm curious what your thoughts are for somebody that's new. And actually, so we're largely a wedding photography podcast, but a lot of us as wedding photographers today do do some commercial work on the side. But for somebody starting out as a photojournalist today, what, how do they start out? If you were, if you were going to tell yourself now as a young man that was, that wanted to go out and do this thing as somebody working at a small newspaper out in Florida, what, what, what are their challenges? What do they have to do now to to get to a level where they, they can make a successful living. And how different is that compared to when you started to, to where things are in today's world? Well, that's a great, another great question. And I think truthfully that the landscape today is massively different from when I got started. When I got started, the typical progression was is that you would start at a small newspaper, work your way up to a medium sized, and then eventually to a large newspaper. You know, at some point along the line, you would start to freelance and figure out uh, whether or not your skill set was sufficient, that it would be attractive to the magazines and organizations that were hiring independent photographers at the highest level. And you would kind of stair step your way to the top, you know, almost like climbing Mm -hmm. a ladder. Today, I think it's a massively, massively different world. Um, There are, you know, a lot of the publications that would have been the ultimate dream to aspire to back in the day are either gone or they've certainly diminished their use of photography in the way that I was familiar with it getting started. And I think that we're really in a world now where the opportunities are going to emerge for young photographers based a lot on how they establish themselves, Hmm. how they position their, their selves for doing work, and the brand that they establish for themselves that's really almost independent and separate from the organizations that they work 100%. with. 100%. So totally, so, totally yes. different. Totally different. So world. basically before and, you're saying that everything was, you know, you it's basically you apply for jobs and you keep and you keep working up and working up and working up, you take that ladder on the way up, but now it's really about how you set yourself up, how you how you perceive your branding for yourself and your own business and, and the networking that you do as an individual, right? Is that is that pretty much what you're saying? Is, is the Yeah, I think that's that I think that's largely absolutely true. I think that we are in a world where you have to assume that the responsibilities for promoting yourself and developing your own skills and developing expertise that others value a lot of that falls to you i mean in a way i think it's a really good thing because i think a lot of places and a lot of photographers i know along the line who are my roughly my peers in terms of age and experience many of them i think suffered in a sense because they subsumed their individual creative identities to the brands that they were Mm -hmm. working for Mm -hmm. and they really only developed to a certain point and then they were sort of fenced in by the parameters of how they were used by those brands and and what those brands needed from them for success you know for what they call successful execution Mm -hmm. and i was very cognizant of that reality when i was at the post and really kind of chafed at it in some ways because i felt like it was detrimental to the creative talents that i was Mm -hmm. working with and i always wanted them to be knocking down the fences that are around our pasture and running free because I felt like that would make them ultimately stronger and better as photographers because they would be working from their own 
private reserves of personal passion and uh, energy and, and be doing the things that they really wanted to do as opposed to being doing the things that they were demanded mm -hmm. of them mm -hmm. to do by, you know, other entities who may or may not have, you know, individuals who may or may not have understood really the inherent possibilities in visual communication. And I was sort of a buffer, I guess, between those worlds, you know, almost throughout my entire career. Mm -hmm you know, as a translator in effect between those worlds. Mm -hmm. um, and so today I think photographers have the opportunity to really, from almost from the moment that they start to work professionally, they have the ability to identify within themselves what are those things that they're most mm -hmm. passionate about and really focus in some ways um, with more freedom. But at the same time, there's a tremendous downside yeah. to that in a sense because they may not get the you know the developmental yes. help of peers and they may not know what to do they, they may not know what to do how to exactly. write a contract and how to what what licensing is what it's that's that's the beauty of it right that we can create our own brands and and you know as, as i mm -hmm. mentioned to you before as wedding photographers if you create uh, this brand that a lot of people know a lot of our clients have commercial businesses and they end up asking us to do work for them on a commercial level and uh, but do we know? <laughs> do you know how contracting works? Do you know what usage rights are? Do you know what uh, licensing is? And uh, and this that's the challenge, right? That's the real challenge. Um, and that's actually one of the ways that ASMP, an organization like ASMP, would step in and, and kind of help us out in terms of in terms of understanding what to do because we're not working for larger corporations right now. We're working largely for ourselves. And so, Tom, how how can, a, can an organization like ASMP help those photographers out in terms of? Uh, you know, better understanding what, what we should be doing, at, you know, to work at, at the appropriate level when we when we get those commercial inquiries? Well, I think it's an interesting question because I think that on the one hand, ASMP can provide material, educational materials, experiences, and, you know, the connection to community that really uh, enables people to function professionally in a way that garners the respect from clients that they really need to be mm -hmm. successful. But at the same time, I think ASMP as an organization also needs to really uh, pay attention to the realities that are being discussed by the members individually and really understand how the landscape itself is changing so that the um, collective searching for wisdom and knowledge is effective. And I think that's the challenge that I have as executive director is to really help our members and particularly our board members and chapter leaders focus on how do we get the information that we absolutely need and how do we present the world as it is and how do we help photographers in particular negotiate the conversations with clients that they need to to be treated mm -hmm. fairly and respectfully and be supported in the way that they need to be to do their best work. I mean, I look at it once upon a time, I think a lot of um, relationships were built almost on an adversarial basis <laughs> where the client was across the table and they were trying to get something from you and you were trying to get something from them. And it was a lot of uh -huh. back and forth and everything was sort of a negotiating point. And I'm not saying that there, that, that didn't have value and that that's, there's not a, an element of that always in the equation, but I think, I think part of our challenge now is that the world of visual communication is so complex and there are so many moving parts to it. And there are so many opportunities in a way that are afforded by the technology that all have to be factored into the equation that it, I think it's actually much better if clients can come to see photographers as visual solutions providers who are actually on the same side of the table as them. And that if they, engage in deep conversation with each other on an, on an ongoing basis. And they really um, look to bring out the best in each other. And they really focus on, okay, what is the messaging at hand that needs to be executed mm -hmm. here in order for this business or this client to be mm -hmm. successful? When they ask questions on that basis and deal on that basis, it may actually get them further in mm -hmm. the long run. So Tom, you've been working on a, uh this small claims copyright resolution, which is probably one of the more interesting things that uh, would apply to our, you know, our listeners and dealing with usage and that kind of thing. So what is, uh, what is happening here with the small claims copyright resolution at this point in time? 
Well, it's a great, that's a great, you know, where small claims is, I think, is for, you know, for the first time in a long time, we've gotten the attention of members of Congress in a very powerful and positive way. And there's been the introduction of the first bill by Representative Hakeem Jeffries of Brooklyn, New York, a Democrat, and his co-sponsor, Tom Marino, a Republican from central Pennsylvania. And the two of them have introduced a bill which would allow the Copyright Office to create a small claims alternative as a mechanism for, uh, you know, providing remedy for a lot of basic infringements that occur for the use of photography. I think it's an important step forward. Obviously, it's not a completely mm-hmm. done deal until, you know, until the um, bill becomes law and the process is created. At the same time, we've gotten word that Representative Judy Chu, who is another representative that many of the visual groups that I, that I connect with, have been working with for a long time. She also is going to introduce a similar bill, supposedly right after the August recess. So we're really looking forward to what's in her bill as well. But the fact that we have congressional support for doing something now, which mm-hmm. is important to all all visual creators, but it actually extends beyond us to creators and other you know classes of uh, work. So you know, such as music songwriters musicians or authors as well, that this is an opportunity for us to really try to address what has been broken in the system. And I think fundamentally the problem has been that up to now, you really have only had two recourses recently to resolve infringements. You either file a takedown notice under DMCA provisions or you go to federal court And the reality is with federal court in particular, that most lawyers are not going to be interested in taking a case unless the judgment that could be rendered is at least of a $30,000 value or more, which obviously excludes a lot of smaller scale infringement cases. And then on the other hand, trying to uh, pursue a federal case is, is amazing because, you know, it's not, it, the norm can be as you know as much as three hundred fifty thousand dollars in legal fees to completely successfully prosecute a mm-hmm. case in federal court, and a lot of times the judgments that would be rendered would not even cover fully the court costs associated. So, I mean, those are things that I think are really a problem. And then on the other side, obviously, with the, the takedown notices, I mean, it's a whack-a-mole mm-hmm. game. It's like, you know, you can have a great, you know, you can have a really successful image and you might have thousands, hundreds, if not thousands of infringements, all of that image. And you've got to file a notice on every Mm. single instance. So you can't file it on the basis of the image. You have to file it on the basis of the actual infringement location. And so that's a crazy, you know, game that photographers can never win. I mean, I, I spent some time talking with a member earlier this year as we were starting to work or last year, actually, when we we're starting to work on the process and do research to respond to a copyright office notice of inquiry for information about what, you know, were our pressing concerns with regard to improvements in the copyright process and the law and how the office operated. And, you know, this, this member was showing me his spreadsheet of infringements, which was pages and pages and pages mm-hmm. long. And that was only like a couple of month period. So it was just, it showed the insanity of trying to utilize DMCA as the the main mechanism. I have a friend in the music industry who's promoting this idea of take down, stay down, which is not the case typically now, a lot of times, particularly for the music industry, if infringements occur, they may get a, you know, they may put a takedown notice down and, you know, get a, mm-hmm. an infringement removed, but almost in Almost immediately, the infringement yeah. goes back yeah. up in yeah. another guise. And that's true of photography as well. So, I mean, you know, that's why I don't think it's a particularly effective solution. So that's why we've been really pushing for the small claims alternative as a, as a means of making a simplified system that's more mm-hmm. facile in the way that it, it allows. Now, would that have anything to do with mm-hmm. uh, the way that we're currently registering copyright with the Copyright Office? Or is that a separate entity altogether that, that you're dealing with there? No, I think that that's that, that definitely uh, the registration process is definitely tied into this in a pretty profound way. As you may know, very few 
images are actually registered, a shockingly mm -hmm. small number. I mean, I've heard that it's about 5% of what's actually produced by our members anyway, and that seems to be consistently true across the different organizations that represent visual creators. So obviously, if you don't register, you don't succeed in getting, you know, eligibility for statutory damages if it's not registered in advance of when the claim is filed. So we are, you know, we want to encourage registration. And we have talked in some ways about some of the really fine points of the bills that are being discussed with the notion of whether or not if a claim was really on the small, very small scale side, would registration itself even be mm. necessary? But I mean, I understand from the perspective of the Copyright Office, they have a vested interest in seeing everybody register their work for maximum protection. So, I mean, we're making the assumption that we really one of the things that we need to do is support yeah, registration. And let me just uh, jump in here for our listeners. Um, if, listeners, if you're unfamiliar of how to register your copyright, um, go back to uh, the episode with uh, Jim Kavanaugh, where we discussed uh, copyright registration. I guess the only other thing that I'd really want to want to ask you or get your thoughts on is, in particular, our audience is largely based on of wedding photographers. But wedding photographers that maybe are getting commercial inquiries, um, whether it be small business, large business, um, what do you suggest to them if they're if they're really you know one of these newer photographers who have maybe only been shooting for you know one, two, three years? Um, and they're starting to get commercial inquiries, what steps should they be taking to know how to price, know how to um, get into um, the appropriate contracts and usage terms and all this kind of thing? What, what would you suggest that those people do? Well, obviously, at the risk of sounding self-serving, I would recommend that they consider joining <laughs> ASMP. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, in all, all seriousness, I think community is really incredibly important, particularly at this time in the evolution of the professional photography business. And I think it's essential that we get, um, we make available materials that really can help people understand what they need to do to be successful as business people and that they utilize those materials. So I guess if you were to ask me, I would say it would be really seeking out people who could serve as mentors and who could give uh, practical sound knowledge and business advice that would, um, ensure that they were moving in the right direction. I think it's terribly easy to be exploited today um, mm -hmm. and to find that you really absolutely either undercharged for your service or fail to account for certain things in the way that you're thinking about structuring your business. For example, I know students who have come out of school that I've worked with who, who don't realize that, you know, there's a certain threshold of income that you're going to need month to month in order to simply make your overhead of your rent, your food, you know, you know, your whatever disposable income things that you want to do, cover your cost of insuring your equipment, you know, getting health insurance, all those kinds of things. And the, the necessity of really factoring all that in into getting started and figuring out where you need to position yourself and how are you going to get in a position to earn the kind of income that you need to, to survive. All those things are unbelievably important questions. And, yeah. to, and that's where I think that, you know, having peers and having a community around you that you can turn to with confidence about, you know, getting answers. I think that's what's really important. And that's the thing that I'm really trying to push most strongly in terms of positioning ASMP to be a support uh, beam, if mm. you will, for individuals in their careers. And I think, it, you know, I, I mean, I certainly think that there are other photo organizations that support photographers who are equally worthy. And it's a matter of, you know, figuring out for yourself what, you know, what ones work well for you or where, you know, where do you have peers in the area that are going to help you. But I think it it's critical not to try to go alone. Because I think, you know, just the mere fact that, for example, wedding photographers not only have to cross over and probably do commercial work to make a living, but they also are being required to, you know, to supervise video and still shooting simultaneously from, you know, a single wedding event. I mean, that now, you know, is another kind of challenge that probably didn't exist when I was getting started, certainly when wedding photographers just went out and made still photographs of a wedding. Um, you know, all those things are, you know, are factors now that I think change the nature of the game mm -hmm. pretty considerably. 
absolutely. Uh, Tom, thank you uh, so much for, for jumping on our show and, uh, and joining us today. It's, it's really has, it's a sincere honor, uh, for, to have you here, especially given your background and everything like that. So, uh, we sincerely appreciate your time. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for asking yeah. me. I hope that I've been helpful to your uh, listeners. 100%. Right. Th thank you, Tom. We really appreciate yes. it. All right. Thank you. All right. Take care. Okay. Yep, yep. You have a good one. Thank you. Okay. And we're back. And thank you so much again for Tom Kennedy for being on our, our show. Uh, we're going to jump over to another guest here uh, that's going to tell us a little bit about a project he's been working on. His name is Mr. Luke Copping. He is a commercial and editorial portrait photographer uh, in our area, Neil, in our area of Western New York. Uh, so we're going to jump over to him and uh, talk a little bit about what he's been working on. So uh, we are here with Mr. Luke Copping, and uh, Luke's going to tell us a little bit about a project that he has uh, going. Uh, but Luke, b before we do that, uh, hi, how's it going, man? How are you doing? I'm um, good, guys. Thanks for having me on today. Absolutely. Welcome. Absolutely. Um, so Luke, uh, for our listeners, uh, who are you? What's, uh, how, do, how do we know each other? Uh, what, what's, our, <laughs> what's our background uh, we, the, outside of the recent Twitter conversation we had going on? Sure. <laughs> we, we go way back. My name, my name is Luke Copping, and I am a, I'm a commercial and editorial photographer in Buffalo, New York. Um, I shoot primarily for magazines like Forbes, you know, mainly in business I do quite a bit of corporate photography, and I shoot for a lot of broadcast outlets like a and &E Television, CNN, uh, a few others. So, uh, Luke, a uh, very interesting project that you've been working on recently, and uh, it, we thought it would be awesome for our listeners to hear for a few reasons. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about the project, what you've been working on, what you've been up to, and then we can kind of uh, bring it back to the benefits for our listeners and all that. So. Sure, guys. So... Over the last couple of years, I've been focusing a lot of my energy, not just on my own photography business, but also on working with educating other photographers, helping them to have sustainable businesses through good business practices, and understand that photography as a business is a lot more than just the pictures you take. It's how you communicate with clients. It's how you run your business. It's the process that you use to maintain a project from beginning to end. And to that regard, when I started in this business, I made a lot of mistakes. I didn't really know what I was doing on the business side of things because I came out of a really good photography program at RIT where we had a great technical training, but the business training was really limited. Uh, you know, you learned basic stuff like how to write an invoice, you know, how to build a client, but you didn't really learn any of like the ephemeral stuff that you can only get from experience. Like what matters to a client? How do you build trust? How do you justify the rates you're charging, especially in the commercial world where rates can be very mutable based on usage, different scope of production, creative approaches. All of these things could impact the budget of a shoot wildly. And when you're dealing with clients who might not necessarily be agency buyers who are very, very educated about this, you might be dealing with smaller businesses who's never bought photography from a professional before. Uh, it helps to have an understanding of what their fears are what they're worried about, what they want to establish with a project, what they're trying to communicate. And through building a process like that, kind of through trial and error, you get better at dealing with clients, you get better at communicating, you're able to justify higher rates, you're able to land, land more jobs, even if you're not the lowest bid, because clients will have more faith in your ability to deliver. Uh, you'll have a stronger reputation and you'll be able to focus a lot more on making work because you're not running around worrying about putting out all these process and workflow related fires with your business. So I've been working with a designer for the last couple of years. Her name is Shauna. Uh, she runs a blog called nubbytwiglet.com and she's also got an agency called We Are Branch. And a couple months ago, Shauna was having some thoughts along the very same mindset that I just described, but for designers. So she teamed up with Paul Jarvis, who's based out of Canada, and he's a designer and writer for websites like Lifehacker and Forbes and Fast Company. And he's also a former wildlife photographer. And they teamed up to create the first iteration of the project prescription, which is mainly tailored for designers. And it's a workflow tool and collection of customizable documents that designers can use for onboarding clients, getting information from clients about a job the client may not originally thought of, doing follow-ups, getting testimonials tracking every piece that goes into a design project. And because I'm an avid follower of Shauna, as well as one of her clients, 
I saw them launch this and I thought it was amazing. It's everything, it coalesced everything that I'd been thinking about with my process over the years that I developed, but I hadn't codified. Hmm. So I wrote to them and I said, this is amazing. And I've been adapting it for use for photography, especially in the commercial world. And I think this could be really, really useful to a lot of emerging photographers mm -hmm. and especially those photographers who might be like leaving the wedding or portrait world and do occasional commercial jobs that don't really have the experience of their feet wet in that world that they're really confident in dealing with that kind of client process or the ins and outs of communication with agency people who speak a very different language than consumer clients. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just raising my hand right here. I'm one of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we've gone in and revamped the basics of, project prescription for designers into project prescription for photographers, which takes all of my experience as a commercial and editorial photographer and to a degree, a consumer photographer, as well as my experiences educating uh, photographers through my work with organizations like ASMP, and then tempers that with Shauna and Paul's minds for like process and being designers who occasionally buy photography. Uh, and also, taking that mindset that not all photographers are the best designers. So we can present these documents in a super stylized, like really well laid out way. Shauna is an incredible designer who does just stunning work and has done documents for me in the past that clients really, really respond to, especially in a creative world where you're dealing with visual people, art directors, magazine editors. If you're just handing them a sheet of plain text, as opposed to like this beautifully designed document, there's two very different perceptions they have of you instantly. Uh, if I if I can just jump in for just a minute here, um, because Luke Luke uses a lot of big words, everybody, <laughs> and uh, just to break this down, break this down for our listeners, uh, Luke was very kind enough to let me kind of test out Project Prescription mm -hmm. and kind of get into it and see what it was all about, and I left a little testimonial for him and that kind of thing, and and it's really awesome. And here's here's the thing, um, it's really about getting your getting your shit together, right? Like as, as a business and how do you present yourself when you're dealing, when you're giving clients documentation? Um, do you even have documentation for different points along the, along that line for, for example, like one of the things that, that mm. you do that I, that I usually don't do in my business, but mm. through looking at project prescription is like something that was like, Hey, I should probably get more on board with this when I'm dealing with commercial mm -hmm. clients. And, and what I'm talking about is like one, one of the points in your process is, you know, the actual follow up. You know what I mean? Like, so the, do the job is done yeah. just because the job's done. You got paid and uh, and you're all set moving on. Hey, how about you send when do you follow up with that client, especially a commercial client, because you can get more potential business from maintaining a relationship mm -hmm. with them. Right. But what is that? What does that form look like when you give to when you give out to, to your to your people and then. Um, and how are you presenting your business as you do from a design standpoint, but also um, just what the actual content itself is? Um, so I think that's uh, that's super important. I think it's super important, too. And the reason we're having Luke on the show is because as wedding photographers, even if we're wedding photographers, we still get, a mm -hmm. you know, from time to time commercial inquiries. Some of our clients, some of our mm -hmm. some of our brides and grooms have businesses. And one way or the other, we're eventually getting some of these commercial inquiries. And how do we handle ourselves? How do we present our business? And this is like taking a jump as opposed to just being at a place where you're just kind of making things up on the fly. This is like, Luke has a lot of experience. You should check out his website. You should check out his work and look at some of his background. And I'm, I'm not joking. It's lukecopping.com. Just it's spelled exactly the way you think that it would. You check out his work, check out his, check out, you know, he, he shot for Forbes, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> okay. So, but, uh, but the thing is, is like, you know, how, how do you present yourself? And this is such a jump start on if, if, especially if you're a new photographer, getting a lot of your, your business, uh, your contracts together, this kind of thing. Um, and it doesn't have to, it's not just, you could also move this into our consumer and client stuff too. So it's not just sure. for commercial work. So maybe if you want to piggyback on off of some of the things that I was just uh, talking about there, Luke. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this has applications to pretty much everyone in the photography industry, whether you're a wedding photographer who simply wants to put a better spin on your contracts and your rate sheets for clients. Or like you said, if you are moving from consumer work like weddings and portraits into commercial work. And let's not also ignore the growing commercial side of the bridal industry too. More and more wedding photographers are getting recruited to shoot for gown and dress companies, venues, uh, wedding editorial. And all of that brings new territory. The subject matter is the same, but the business behind it is very, very different. Uh, so we've really set this up as the easy button for you rather than spending, you know, 
me, Shauna, and Paul have nearly 40 combined years of creative freelance services. But that means we also have 40 combined years of making mistakes and learning the hard way and screwing up. So through trial and error, we've developed these processes um, that make our businesses easier to run, that clients can count on. Like when a client calls me, my first step is I send them out the getting starting guide that's in project prescription that I've used a version of for years. And it answers so many questions for them that they hadn't even thought to ask. Instantly, they're confident in my ability. They know that I'm thinking about things that they hadn't even considered that could be catastrophic to their shoot. They have reassurances that we're going to operate at a level that's going to deliver what they want when they want in a reliable manner. And, and that's huge. It's such an important but very overlooked and ephemeral part of being a creative business person. Um, everything we do in here is tailored at keeping photographers from making catastrophic mistakes. I think one of the most important documents in here, and this is true for wedding photographers and for commercial photographers, is our client evaluation guide which is a really, really cool document that we've created that you use internally for your business. And what it is essentially is a scorecard that you can use to rate potential clients. Uh, we're really, really adamant about the idea that not every client is right for every photographer. I mean, yeah, yeah, rent has to be paid and stuff like that, but there are red flags out there. There are clients you don't necessarily want to do business with. There's projects that aren't a good fit for your look or your temperament. This helps you figure that out. This helps you decide with a really data-driven approach. Like, is this client the right fit for me? Are we going to have trouble down the road? Is this going to be one of those clients that I make 5% of my money from that gives me 95% of my problems? Uh, and everyone has those in their life and career. And we want to help photographers minimize that so they don't get frustrated <laughs> so that they're able to have a really positive and healthy experience in this business, which is hard enough as it is. Very good. Um, so let's uh, let's do this. If we can, uh, in a nutshell, if you were if you're giving your elevator pitch on project prescription, if you can if you can first of all give us that, and then um, if you can if you can tell us um, just how would our listeners go about uh, looking into this and seeing if it's something that they want to do with a website uh, and and all that good information. Yeah, absolutely. So, like in its simplest terms, project prescription is a tool that makes your life easier. You will have all the documentation you need to run a successful commercial or consumer photography business that's totally customizable, that's on brand and looks beautiful. You will blow clients away with your process and with the look of your documents, and you will get more work. You will have an easier time executing that work, and your clients will like you even more than for the awesome images you're already providing them. It rounds out your business more than any one thing uh, or any one visual aspect really could. Um, too many photographers spend a lot of time chasing gear, but they don't put a lot of thought into how they actually run their business. This is an answer to that. And it lets you get back to doing what you do best, which is taking awesome yeah. and photos. And I think it's very reasonably priced, too, for what you're, what you're offering, um, in my opinion. Um, oh, definitely. So uh, if yeah. you want to uh, follow up with, you know, uh, how much is it? But where can people find it? Where, what's sure. your website? How, how can they look into it a little bit more? So the, the website is theprojectprescription.com. And when you go to the site, the front page has two, we call it, we have two pills, one for designers, one for photographers. <laughs> and uh, while it's rolling out this week, uh, we're having a, a launch week special where the uh, project prescription is $88, but next Monday it's going up to $108, which is our regular price for it. You and get 20 good, documents. Yeah, it's still a good price. <laughs> yep. You get 20 documents that come either as InDesign or Google Docs format. You, there's video walkthroughs on how to customize all of your logos, colors, fonts to make it on brand. There's a video I host that totally walks you through every aspect of the workflow. And uh, you're ready from day one. You get these documents. You can start putting your brand on these, customizing them for your business and getting them out to clients today. You know, when you buy something new, when you take a workshop or you buy a new lens, it can be a while before you see results. This is a product that you can implement day one to make real world pragmatic and practical changes to your business. Yeah, and this is something that... Uh... If you were to come up with this on your own, and this is one of the things that I mentioned, you know, when I when I filled out kind of like a review of, of what you have going on over there. But if you were if you're just starting off and you're trying to get together this documentation, you know, it's, I think there's like 10, 12 steps that you have in this thing, you know, from from the beginning process mm -hmm. to the end. Um, it would take years. 
you know, to get your documentation together to to get to the point where it not only says what you need it to say, but also looks good. You know, this this combination of, of how you're presenting your branding and everything like that. So it still is, you know, it still is, you know, you, while you can use it right away, you're going to want to customize it a little bit to your own business. Uh, is that is that pretty much right on? That's why be, that's where the files come into play there. Oh, totally. Everyone's business is different. Like what we're giving you is a set of tools. Uh, and you can tweak those. You can make them better. I mean, if you find new ways to use them, tell us. We want to hear about it so we can share it with other people. Uh, but we've given you like the framework to build a business from uh, in terms of all of your client processes and workflows. Uh, you know, we have a, a pre-shoot prep guide in here for clients that you can send to them. It's everything that they need to do so they look their best on the day of a shoot. But if you're a food photographer or an architectural photographer who's not doing portraits, you can change that up to the best practices an architectural client can do to prep their space before you come in or ideas for people who are doing food styling for you or clients on how they can prep their restaurants or their food or their plating to have everything there for you that you need so that you can do an amazing job for them. Luke Copping, thank you very much for joining us on this episode of Wedding Photographers Unite. And uh, where can people uh, find you and follow you and hear conversations about you turning me into a centaur? So, so yeah, uh, it's, uh, my website is uh, lukecopping.com. It's L-U-K-E-C-O-P-P-I-N-G. Or you can follow me at uh, Luke Copping, all one word on Instagram, or Luke underscore Copping on Twitter. Okay. And and just the centaur thing, since I mentioned it, how did that how did that come about? Uh, so <laughs> if you go to the Project Prescription website, you may see uh, some promotional imagery uh, of Andy's torso with the Project Prescription <laughs> yes, logo he, laid he, over it. As you said, uh, when you posted let, it, because sex yeah. sells. That, that that's why my torso is yeah. featured there. But. Uh, yeah, leftover from a, a PR shoot I did for Andy a couple of years ago. Um, and so this this initiated a whole conversation with my wife that ended up having, she ended up having a dream where you were yes. a centaur. Uh, and, and yeah, so now I'm going to do a whole yes. photo project of, of photographers as mythological yes, that, that will be happening uh, at some yeah, point later. Okay, thank you so much, uh, Luke, for joining us on the show. And listeners, check out Project Prescription. We will have a link in the show notes. And uh, Luke, thanks again for coming on. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Okay. Have a great day. All right. Thank you. Okay, everybody. Uh, we are back. And thank you uh, for, to both Tom Kennedy and Luke Hopping for uh, being on our show this week. Yeah, that was a good interview with Tom. Uh, good job with that, Andy. I, I really didn't – I don't think I said a word <laughs> throughout that whole thing. Um, but you know what? I was kind of starstruck a little bit when you were reading over his bio – as I'm, yeah. I'm sure you were too, because as soon as he said the years that he was working with National Geographic, it, it yeah. popped in my head that that was the time that I, I was in grade school all throughout high school, you know, 85 to 97. And I yep. was just thinking of all the times that I went to the library Yes, when I was when I was that age. And I, I always went to National Geographic magazines. I looked through hundreds of those over those years and just to yeah. just to sit you know with him on on virtual world uh and to to hear him talk to us which it was it was uh it was incredible it was it was I, awesome. I have to say 100% man and I had to say the same thing because I was probably a little bit more nervous for for that interview just when I started you know realizing you know wow <laughs> 10 years as as director of photography at National Geographic mm -hmm. now you know director of photography for national geographic for 10 years and i was thinking the same kind of thing you know there's what you just said during those years that you know you and i were both about the same age mm -hmm. that when i looked at those magazines and i and i would i would actually like take some national geographic magazines and i was i was more into art and painting at the time mm -hmm. than i was as a photographer but i would take a lot of the photography and then you know, do an oil painting or do an acrylic, acrylic painting. And some of those visual images are like ingrained in my mind. Oh yeah. I was just going to say that there's still images that I remember looking at when I was that age, you know? Yeah. And that, and that, you know, Tom was probably somewhat responsible yeah. for having those images land on the page, yeah. uh, is, is really pretty, it's really pretty special in a lot of ways. Yeah, it um, really is. it's the circle of life really in a lot of kind of ways, <laughs> you know, it's a, so anyway, thanks. Thanks to both mm -hmm. uh, Tom and Luke uh, for joining us. It, uh, you know, very, very good stuff. Yeah. And I took a look and, at uh, Luke's uh, website that he, that he was working on really interesting stuff. I think I'm going to jump on board and be a customer with that. Uh, that's a, just a, that's a steal of a price. Um, that's, that's a really good price. Even if you don't get it, you know, even if you're listening to this after that discount, um, mm -hmm. 
still $108. That's that's a really, really good price. So grab it while you can. <clears throat> absolutely. And, and I can say from having taken a look at it, I think that it is absolutely worth it, especially especially if you're newer and especially if you don't have a lot of this documentation, a lot of these forms together. Um, and you don't, you're not really sure of how you're dealing with your clients and pay, and and uh, you know how you're following up with them, these kinds of things. I think it's especially true in that case. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so yeah, so uh, listeners, thank you very much for listening in to episode number forty-one of Wedding Photographers Unite. Uh, Neil Urban, where can people find you? Google me, N-E-A-L-U-R-B-A-N. That's Neil Urban, and uh, mostly on Facebook. I've been posting a lot on Facebook lately, so follow me there. And same. That's what everybody's saying now. Yeah, same. follow Andy you know, at Neil Urban's page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except except you just uh, my name is Buscemi. Last name is B-U-S-C-E-M-I, Andy Buscemi. And then you can find my social media that way. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, photographers, wedding photographers, unite. We will see you next time for episode 42. Yeah. Okay. We'll see you then, everybody. Thanks again. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.